Welcome to Sacramento Central Seventh-day Adventist Church, and thank you for joining us for Central Study Hour. Wherever you are and however you are tuning in, we are so glad you're here. We've got our special request this morning and a new uh, topical index, so I hope you have your hymnals and are ready to sing. Are you? Amen. Our first song this morning comes as a request from Emily Rose uh, Bediako from Korn Westheim Deutschland. Herzlich willkommen, Emily. Uh, she requests hymn 524, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Let's sing the first and second verse. him. I love it. It's such an oldie and a goodie. Um, and our next song you might know as well. It's hymn 600, Hold Fast Till I Come. Now this comes as a request from Barbara Scholes in Laredo, Texas, and Marlena Marlena Higby in Miami, Florida. Let's sing the first, second, and third verse of Hold Fast Till I Come.
bright crowns are in waiting if we but hold fast until Jesus come even so come again Lord Jesus if you have a special request please visit us at our website at sexcentral.org click on the contact us link let us know where you're from choose any a song in our hymnal and we'll be happy to sing them with you this morning we're moving into a new theme and that is of humility so let's sing hymn 567, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, uh, the first, second, and third verse.
Dear Heavenly Father, this morning we allow you to have your own way. Lord, please be with us as we learn and study in our everyday lives. Help us to humble ourselves. Let us know that we can only, we only have pride in, in being your children and that receiving our reward comes from allowing you to work within us. This morning as we study, we continue our study of the book of Proverbs, please send your Holy Spirit to enlighten us, enlighten Pastor Chris, and let us truly receive the wisdom from above. We thank you for your holy Sabbath day, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Our lesson study this morning will be given to us by Pastor Chris, our senior pastor at Zach Central Church. Thank you, team. Wonderful, beautiful songs, weren't they? Reminder of the second coming, Jesus is coming soon, and, and uh, if we want to be ready, the last song we sang there reminds us to let God have His way. It's not going to be about our way, and it's got to be all about His way, amen? We're glad you're here, and uh, those that are tuning in, glad you're joining us as well. Uh, we uh, want to welcome each one. We're on lesson number 10 in our quarterly on the book of Proverbs. And uh, trust your, uh, you have that handy and you have your Bibles handy. We'll be studying here behind the mask. And for those that are, for those that are joining us, we'd like to make sure that you uh, call in and receive the free offer. It's offer number 21510. And all you need to do is call 916-457-6511 or email us at csh at saccentral.org. They're happy to get that to you. Tell us whether you want the CD or the DVD version, and we'll get that right out to you. Um, we want to uh, also uh, welcome uh, those uh, that are joining us in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, want to uh, give a shout out to Neil and Lisa. Neil and Lisa have been uh, dramatically impacted by the ministry here at Sacramento Central. Uh, they view when they can by live streaming or they watch us uh, on 3ABN and other places. And just recently I had a chance to talk with Neil and Lisa and they informed me that they were baptized. And, uh, and it's just uh, wonderful. They were baptized at a church, Adventist church in Las Vegas. So Neil and Lisa, if you're watching, God bless you guys. And also a uh, shout out to Peter in Sydney, Australia, uh, who watches us frequently and is blessed by our ministry here as well. Um, let's, uh, let's go in our Bibles. We're, we're going to look at our memory text here. We're going to look at the, the lesson number 10 behind the mask. We're in Proverbs. And so you may want to keep your finger there this morning. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 6, and uh, Kula shared this with us already. Let's read it one more time. It says, Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king, and do not stand in the place of the great. Obviously a warning regarding pretentious behavior and uh, trying to be something that we are not, and that's really what the lesson is about. Some of you may be familiar with the individual by the name of Fred Damara. Some years ago, he was probably one of the most curious people that ever lived. Uh, Fred Damara, for most of his life, wasn't Fred Damara. Uh, as a matter of fact, at one time he was Martin Godgart, a high school teacher, and he was also known as Dr. Robert Lemon, or Linton rather, uh, French, a college dean. Uh, he was also known as Dr. Cecil B. Heyman, a law student, and Brother John, a Catholic monk. 
in addition, he worked as a hospital chaplain, a Hollywood actor, and most unbelievable of all, a, 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 a surgeon aboard a Canadian naval destroyer. Damara was probably one of the greatest pretenders of our time. And uh, Damara was simply trying to be someone other than himself. Uh, you know, and we won't talk much about uh, what I'm about to say for much here this morning. We'll, we'll take another route here. But, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of people pretend in life because they don't like who they are. Uh, not satisfied with um, uh, how God has made them and equipped them. And, and so they try to be someone they're not or try to reach to become someone that they admire someone that they perhaps even worship and they uh, fall dismally short. And life like that is miserable. Uh, God wants us to, if I could put it this way, embrace who we are in the sense of not our sin, not our selfishness, no, but who we are, how He's designed us and made us. And when we give our lives to Jesus and we're converted, then the Holy Spirit is at work to make us all that God originally intended us to be. Um, and so uh, we won't talk much about that, but there are a lot of pretenders, even in the church, trying to be someone they're, they're not. Um, but I wanted to, we're going to talk about self-pretension here this morning review, in reviewing our lesson. It's simply the claim, it's the claim to be something we're not, which ends up naturally cheating ourselves and cheating others. The, uh, who's the master of pretense? The master of pretense is the devil himself, that's exactly right. Um, he, uh, and pretense is simply an attempt to make something that is not the case appear true. And Satan is the master of pretense. He, uh, you remember back there in Genesis chapter 3, came to Eve, to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He used the medium of the serpent, this uh, brilliant, beautiful, uh, flying creature, and uh, and through that serpent, he used sweet words and convinced, uh, convinced Eve that he was concerned for her happiness. And, uh, and yet, all the while, what was he plotting to do? To kill her, to destroy her. That's exactly right. Uh, and then, of course, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14, we're reminded that Satan himself appears as a, a what type of angel? An angel of darkness? No, an angel of light. That's right. An angel of light. Um, and uh, this angel of light appearing to, to have your best interest at heart and your concern is seeking to trap you in order to harm you and to destroy you ultimately and lead you into eternal destruction. We live in a world as well where we need to be constantly alert to the enemy's deceptions and snares. And there are also people that we interact with from day to day uh, who don't care about us except their own ambitions, and they won't mind taking advantage of us either. And so, uh, we're called to be on alert uh, when we walk uh, here this sod. Uh, we'll talk more about this and unravel this as we go through the lesson. This week's lesson in Proverbs, the wise man counsels us, uh, not only encourages us to be aware, but also counsels us to step out from behind the mask of self-pretension in five different areas, and each day looks at one particular area of self-pretension. And so, if you uh, go over with me to Sunday's lesson, let's, uh, let's launch into the study and uh, take a look at, uh, at, uh, at God's Word here. So, uh, Sunday's lesson, the mystery of God, the mystery of God, and in summary, uh, this, is the, this is lesson number one, 
when it comes to those uh, lessons of, of um, removing the mask of self-pretension. Here's, here's one area. Don't pretend to know all the answers. <laughs> that's, the, that's number one. Don't pretend to know all the answers. Um, try to wrap your head around the, the never-ending number of infinity. You remember when you were in school and doing math, and you, they showed you that symbol. It's, a, it's, a, it's an eight, but it's, it's kind of laying down on its side. That's the, the symbol for infinity. It's called a lemniscate, a lemniscate. And uh, it's an eight lying down on its... If you're looking at it, it's lying down actually on its left, but it's lying down on, on its right-hand side. Um, but try to get your mind around infinity. That's a huge number. It's a never-ending number. Just keep on counting, and you'll never get there. Um, that we, we, throw, we toss around the word billion uh, quite easily. You know how long it would take to count to a billion uh, if you were to stay at it for about, uh, about 12 hours a day, seven days a week? It will take you about 15 years. 15 years to count to one billion. That's a lot. It's a large number. And we just talk about, oh, yeah, just uh, $18 trillion in debt here in the United States. Uh, you know, it's gone up. We were only at $10 trillion a few years ago. Now we're, I mean, that's a, those are huge numbers. And uh, so we're, look, we're, we're dealing with stuff that's beyond our reach and blows our minds. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. Notice what it says here about God. We're going to our first verse here. Proverbs chapter 25, uh, verses 2 and 3. And um, let's take a look at what it says about God. If, there, if life is full of mysteries, is it possible we can know everything else there is to know about God? And if God is the one who created all these things and there's things still we're yet learning and discovering and trying to figure out, how close can we come to figuring out God? Now, let's take a look here. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 2 and 3. It says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Look at verse 3. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Uh, the word conceal just simply means to hide or to be hidden or secret things uh, or things that God has decided to keep from us for one reason or another. It's not that God is trying to uh, keep information back from us just because He's afraid that you're going to learn as much as He knows and you're going to become like Him. God is not sadistic and uh, not that way at all. There are certain things that God cannot share with us because they'd simply blow our minds. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we've talked about a couple of those things already, but God, in some ways, it's like a parent, uh, children that don't understand some of the mysterious thinking of their parents and some of the strange decisions that parents make. Um, and sometimes if a parent tries to explain that to a child, the child's still not going to understand. And, um, and the decisions made are often made based upon our life experience and, and knowing that that probably wouldn't be the best thing for our children. But our children don't know that. They haven't experienced that. And, and so they question. Uh, they question our uh, intelligence uh, and, and question whether we really have their best interest at heart. So um, God's ways are mysterious to finite minds. Again, much like a parent's ways may be hard for a child to understand. I want to take a look at a couple of verses that talk about uh, some of the mysteries uh, that surround God. Um, and uh, there's someone that has Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29. Thanks, Ray. Right over here. I want to take a look at several, couple of verses before we get, we get to Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29. In Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 15, the Bible says, talking about the Creator God, He says, Truly, you are God... You hide yourself 
O God of Israel, the Savior. So what does God do at times? He hides himself. Now, it's not that he's playing hide-to-go-seek with us, you understand, or peekaboo or anything like that. Uh, there, sometimes it's good that God does hide himself. Um, when God met, met, came down to meet Israel on the top of Mount Sinai, he came and covered himself in what? Dark clouds. Uh, can sin dwell in the presence of an all-consuming fire God? No. So it's for our betterment that God often conceals himself and protects uh, protects us from Him. Uh, and there's some things that, uh, that we probably ought not know as well that He keeps from us. Romans 11.33 is another one. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. And then Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. Thanks, Ray. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, mm -hmm. that we may do all the words of His law. Okay. So, God doesn't hold back from us everything, but the things that we, uh, we do have access to, he's, he's allowed us to have access to them and that they might be revealed to us. And, the th and Deuteronomy 29, 29 is speaking particularly of His Word, of His law. Uh, there are certain things that, uh, that we cannot know. And if God shared it with us, perhaps we couldn't understand. But there are plenty of things that God has given us access to, to discover, to learn, and to understand. And particularly, most importantly, are those things that have to do with His law and His Word. God wants us to know His will for our lives. He wants us to know that there is a, there is a heaven to win, and yes, there is a lake of fire, a hell to shun. He wants us to understand the plan of salvation so that we might be saved at last. And so when we come to God's Word, when we come to His law, we see His will, we see His plan for us, and those things are for who? For us. God says, here they are. I'm going to reveal these things to you, and you'll be blessed by them. You know, when we think about even certain scientific discoveries, those are for our betterment, to help us realize that even as we dig deeper into this, the smallest of cells, we still haven't reached the bottom. We still haven't gotten to, the, when, we, when, we, when we point the Hubble telescope in a certain section of the universe, uh, there's myriads of galaxies out there that we just discovered, and there's more beyond. Um, uh, but the things that we do discover and, and explore are for our betterment to help us understand that God is God and that He is the sustainer of life. That doesn't hamper anyone's uh, initiative to want to keep researching and studying to see how things work. God wants us to see how those things work and how they operate. But ultimately, we need to come to the conclusion that God is the maker of it all, and He sustains it, you see. Um, so, God reveals things to us for our betterment, for our good, and especially when it comes to salvation and His will. He gives us His Word. He gives us His law. He wants us to know those things. Now, in Proverbs 25, verse 3, we read it. It talks about as the, high, the heavens for height, the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Now, if a king is difficult to understand, if his will and his ways are difficult to understand, how much more difficult are we going to ha have, how much more difficult is it going to be to understand all there is to know about God? It's going to be vastly difficult. Let's talk about the, uh, the let's talk about monarchs and their secrets. There is a, uh, there are things called state secrets, princes have them. It's called Arcana Imperi, Arcana Imperi, state secrets. And those secrets are to protect um, 
and preserve the, the countrymen. Uh, you know, when we think about our own country right here in the United States, uh, there are certain strategies and secrets that, uh, that are kept from the general public to protect the United States citizens. Um, uh, you know, you don't hear a strategy coming from the war room regarding uh, ISIS and, uh, and how this, all these things are going to take place because you never let the enemy know what you're going to do, you see. There are certain secrets. And that's what the wise man is saying here. There are certain secrets that the king has. Uh, and if you can't figure those out, then man, how are you going to know all there is to know about God? In other words, remember your place in this world. You are not God. And don't ever think that you can be. And don't ever think you can know it all. How about the heights of the heavens? Can we know the heights of the heavens? Um, well, we can know our atmospheric heavens. Uh, let, me, let me share some of this with you. There are five, they say there are five layers uh, to our atmosphere. There is the troposphere, which is 11 miles high from the, uh, from the, uh, the equator. From that point out, 11 miles. The poles, it's a little shorter, naturally. But from the equator, 11 miles. That's where most of Earth's weather takes place. About three quarters of our weather takes place in that atmosphere. Then you've got the stratosphere above that, which is 30 miles from there, going up. And that's where the ozone layer exists, which helps block some of the sun's rays. Then you've got the mesosphere, which is 52 miles from that point. That's where meteors burn up. Uh, that's why the Earth doesn't have big indentations and craters like the moon, perhaps. You, you know, you've got, the, you've got this, this uh, zone, this mesosphere, uh, where meteors burn up. And then you've got the ionosphere, 430 miles from there. And that's where satellites and space stations orbit. And then from there, you've got 620 to 6,000 miles, uh, and that's called the exosphere. And that merges with interplanetary space. And there's, you know, there's a debate about whether that is actually a part of our atmosphere or not because it's way out there, you see. But then you go, when you go from there and that point on, how much do we know the height? Well, actually, does space have height? Do we know the depth of space? No, we don't, not at all. Our furthest galaxy, uh, from, what the, from what I understand, is about 13.3 billion light years away from us. 13.3 billion light years away. And you know what? A, a tra light travels at 186,000 miles per second. So a light year is light traveling at 186,000 miles per second for an entire year. And uh, <clears throat> therefore, light travels 5.88 million miles per year. No, 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 5.8 trillion miles per year. So the closest, the furthest galaxy that we've discovered is 13.3 billion light years away. Can we measure the depth of space? No, no, we can't. How about the depth of the earth? Well, we could measure the depth of the earth. <clears throat> they say it's 3,958 miles to the center. But what we're not sure of is what all the materials are down there because we can't get close enough to figure it out. Um, it's too hot down there. The core of Earth's, the temperature of the core, uh, core of Earth is uh, 7,000 Kelvin, which is 12,140 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, the deepest mine in the Earth is the Tal Tonna gold mine in South Africa, and that's 2.2 miles down, and the temperature down there is 131 degrees Fahrenheit not going to spend uh, very long down there. So you keep on digging down and it's going to get hotter and hotter. 
Uh, if you can't figure those things out, how are you going to understand the mind of a king? And if you can't understand the mind of a king, how can you fully understand and grasp the mind of God? Now, I'm sharing this, and the lesson is sharing this to remind us of our place in this world. Um, you know, the, we, we often like to think more of ourselves than we, we actually ought to. Now, granted, we are valuable because Christ, God created us, Christ died for us. On those two fronts, we are valuable in the eyes of God. But uh, we ought not get cocky about that or too uh, um, big for our britches is what my folks would often tell me. Um, so uh, we need to remember our place in the world. God is big, He's large, and yet He loves us and cares for us. There are many mysteries in life. There is a question related to this, Jeanne. I think you've got a question related to, uh, to the issue of mysteries. Um, I want to suggest this. You know, even in our own personal lives, uh, there are mysteries that are unexplained. Why did, why, why did this particular thing happen to me? Why was I allowed to go through this particular experience? And I'd like to suggest here this morning that we can trust God with those things that we do not understand. And we can also know that He'll explain life's greatest perplexities and disappointments to us when we make it to heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 tells us that now we see through a glass darkly, but then we're going to see face to face. We're going to be able to see it clearly because God will reveal it to us and say, here's why I allowed it to happen. Here's why uh, you, you struggled and went through this particular experience. It was for your good. So unanswered questions now will be answered then. But I'd like to suggest that even in your own life, if there are mysteries, you can trust God. You can know that He's got your best interest at heart. And I, and I don't think we should ever doubt that. Um, Jan, you had a question related to that. If God seems distant, during difficult times, how can we find Him? Okay. So if God seems distant at, at these particular difficult times, how can we find Him? Uh, the fact of the matter is, is if, you've, if you, have, if you have, remain, have you remained connected to Christ and you've been trusting in Him, He's not gone anywhere. He's not gone anywhere. Now, uh, uh, you think about the story of Jesus and uh, his, when he was about 12 and they went to the temple and they were traveling home, Joseph and Mary uh, had been traveling for a, a period of time and then they discovered that Jesus was missing and he was gone. They were all caught up with what was happening at the, from the, from the uh, time that they'd spent in Jerusalem. They got busy chatting and talking with others that they'd misplaced Jesus. Is it likely that we could misplace Jesus? Let's ask, the question, let's ask this question to answer the question. What things can we do to misplace Jesus? What things, what things um, are done in our lives where we might, we might leave Jesus behind? Or he might, be, he might be here and we may be way back here. Selfishness, for sure. Yeah. Not spending time with his word. Not spending time in God's word, sure. Not praying. Yeah. Not praying. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Yeah, there are things that we do that would, can disconnect us from God. Does God go anywhere? He, he's right there waiting for us. Sometimes we run ahead, we lag behind, we're not keeping our eyes in His Word, spending time with Him in prayer. Sometimes worrying can just completely you know, remove us from His loving care. Uh, there are a lot of different things we can do to distance ourselves from Christ. And so th that is the answer to the question. If, if Christ seems like He's not there during difficult times, we have to first ask the question, have I removed myself from Him? And if I have, then I need to take certain steps to come back to Him. And that's spending quality time with Him, looking into His marvelous face, trusting in Him, um, and, uh, and learning to, to love Him. You know, the more you get to know God, the more you love Him. The more you love Him, it's easier to 
trust Him. Some folk have a hard time trusting God because they, haven't, they don't love Him uh, like, they, like they probably ought to. And so I hope that helps answer the question. Uh, it's a good question. Um, uh, God hasn't gone anywhere, but uh, there are some things we sometimes need to do to find Him for ourselves. He's there, studying, coming to Him in prayer, trusting Him. Say that again. Like the footprints in the sand, right? Yeah, yeah. There was there's one footprints, one footprint, uh, footprint, one footprint, a pair of footprints. Is that better? Yeah. And uh, those were the times that Jesus carried us. Yeah. Good, good point. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Let's go over to Monday's lesson. So the first lesson we learned from uh, Sunday's lesson is don't pretend to have all the answers. Let's go to Monday's lesson. What's the next lesson we learn here from the wise man? The fool as wise. The fool as wise. We're in Proverbs chapter 26, and we're looking at verse 11. The second lesson that we learn here in today's study, uh, this week's study, is don't pretend to be wise when you're not. Now, that's very closely related to pretending to have all the answers when you don't. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't pretend to be wise when you're not. It doesn't take long before you realize that your, your, your way is not always the right way, and it's not always the best way. Uh, when, uh, this was purely by accident, but when I had come from Australia, you know, we drive on the left-hand side of the road, which is the right side, and um, you drive on the right, which is the wrong, but be that as it may, um, come here to the United States, used to driving on the left-hand side of the road, you've got to get used to driving on the right. I remember I'd been here for a couple of years, and I certainly wasn't insisting on having my own way, but it would have been disastrous if I did insist on having my own way and insisting on driving on the left-hand side of the road when I should have been driving on the right. One day, without even knowing what I was doing, uh, I I found myself on the left-hand side of the road, and I didn't know that until I was an oncoming car. And he was, you know, flashing his lights, and I was wondering, what is this guy doing on the wrong side of the road? I mean, where are, what country are we anyway? And uh, come to find out that it was me that was on the wrong side of the road. And um, anyway, he, I don't know if he waved at me or what that was, but he, he wasn't too happy. Anyway, um, if I insist on having my own way and I think it's the right way, can, it, can there be disastrous results? There can be disastrous results. That's exactly right. What would happen if there were no absolutes? That, look, it's, uh, if you want to do your own thing, that's fine. You do your thing, that's fine. What happens when we get to a traffic light and it's red and you decide, well, that means go. That just go. That, that could be absolutely catastrophic. Absolutely catastrophic. That's right. Uh, what happens if there was no, no north needle to a compass? Could you figure your way out uh, of a jam? And you're saying, oh, I've got GPS. But what happens if north wasn't north and south wasn't south and it was just whatever you thought it should be? What a mess we'd be in, wouldn't we? Surely. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 14:12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of what? Death. That's right. What would happen if there were no moral absolutes? Anarchy, wouldn't there? The absolute anarchy. And, uh, and there'd be no right or wrong. Look at Proverbs chapter 26, verses 11 and 12. Let's talk a little bit about this here, a bit more. It says, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. What are we asked to be careful of here? What are we being asked to be careful of here? We need to be careful not to, we need to first of all recognize that if we've done something wrong that it, and it didn't work out too good, that, that, that we did something that was wrong. Recognize that and, uh, and admit that. 
and, uh, and correct that if need be. Um, we're reminded here to, to remember how sick a foolish decision made us and therefore not to return to it. Just like a dog, something made him sick and he vomited, but then a dog will sometimes go back. I don't know why. So I go back and just lick its own vomit. And, uh, and, and a person who continues to insist on doing their own way when it's the wrong way is likened to an individual uh, or a dog that does what it does. This idea of insisting on doing the same thing, the wrong thing, and expecting for different results or a different outcome is uh, truly insanity. And this mentality is fueled by an insistence that you are right no matter what. Is it, uh, is it a, good, a good disposition to have to insist that you are right no matter what? What happens if you are right? <laughs> well, then, then the attitude would be a problem, wouldn't it? It would be a, it would be a problem. Let's uh, take a look at a couple of verses that caution us about have, being, uh, pr pretending to be wise when we're not, uh, insisting on having our own way. Someone has for us here, Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Judges 21, 25. Manji, thank you. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of verses first. Uh, first of all, Matthew 9, 12. Jesus uh, is speaking, and he, he uh, said when he heard that, speaking of the religious leaders, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now, if you're, if you're proud and you, you, your way is, is either your way or the highway, and your way is always the right way, um, are you going to be open to suggestions and to correction and to doing something different? Not really. As a matter of fact, in the book Desire of Ages, and I don't have the exact page, but uh, talking about the Pharisees, um, Ellen White reminds us that the Pharisees and their pride were in a worse position than were the average sinner who recognized their need and their need of a savior. Because pride doesn't have a need. Pride fills no need. And so it's a very dangerous position to be in. If, you don't, if you're not sick or you don't recognize that you are sick, you're not going to need a doctor. That's what Jesus says. Romans 12, 16, Paul says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. And then Revelation 3, 17, I think we know this one. This is talking to the church of Laodicea. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of how much? Nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It's a, 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 a very... Uh, a uh, dangerous position to be in when you insist that you are right when you are not right. And, um, and, uh, and also insisting, when it comes to the truths of God's Word, insisting that you are um, right when the Word of God clearly is correcting you. Judges chapter 21 verse 25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Mm. Okay, so because they did whatever they thought was right in their own eyes, there was absolute chaos and anarchy. As a matter of fact, in Judges chapter 21, some people have accused God of allowing uh, for, for, um, for rape to occur. Uh, this, if you read the story, it's about the Benjamites and, uh, Benjaminites and then uh, some of God's people and certain atrocities that they were practicing. And people say, right there, look at that, God permits it. 
But then they don't read on to verse 25 where it says, hey, these folk were doing what they thought was right in their own eyes. And whenever we think we're doing the right thing in our own eyes, is it often the right thing? No. Now, if we're aligning ourselves with Christ and getting closer to Christ and studying His Word and aligning our lives with His Word, would, it, would, it be the, would we be doing, beginning to do the right thing then? Sure. So you can be sure that when you're following God's Word, you're doing the right thing. But when you are just guessing that you are, or uh, this is, I think so, or, and, and still insisting, it can be very dangerous. And this is what was happening in the book of Judges. Some terrible atrocities were taking place because individuals were thinking uh, that it was okay. They just did whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. This is the danger of conceit and, of course, disobedience to God's revealed will. Let's go over to Tuesday's lesson. We're rolling right along here. So that lesson is don't pretend to know all the answers or don't pretend to be wise when you're not. That's, that, that's the one. Don't pretend to be wise when you are not. Okay, Tuesday's lesson, the sluggard. The third lesson that uh, we learned from this week's lesson is don't pretend to be doing your best when you are not. Don't pretend to be doing your best when you are not. Uh, it's been suggested that laziness has produced so many shortcuts and inventions that we probably, uh, we probably wouldn't even be given, we wouldn't give recognition for. I mean, why walk over to your bookshelf when you can sit in your seat and wheel over to your bookshelf, right? Uh, why get out of your chair and change the channels on your TV when you can sit in your chair and with a remote control change the channels? <laughs> uh, I don't know if necessity is the mother of invention more than, la than laziness. Laziness is probably the father of invention. Uh, any case, after thinking about laziness, someone said, some people would do anything to be able to do nothing. <laughs> some people would do anything to be able to do nothing. Uh, there was a story that was told, a cute little story about an old mountaineer and his wife. They were inside. They were sitting by their fireplace. It was a, a cool evening, and uh, the fire was going. They were enjoying themselves. And uh, they, the wife thought that there was rain uh, coming down outside. And she wanted to really know if there was rain coming down outside. So she said to her husband, his name was Jed, Jed, could you get up and go and see if it's raining outside? I'd like to know if there is rain coming down. To which the old mountaineer replied, can't we just send, ask or call for the dog to come in to see if he's wet? <laughs> Laziness, right? Just as a student who spends more time and more energy preparing to cheat on an exam than studying for it, it is, the, it is ironic that lazy people work hard to find excuses for their laziness. Uh, Proverbs chapter 26, let's take a look there. Proverbs chapter 26, we're looking at verses 13 through 16. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 26, verses 13 through 16. Notice what it says. The lazy man says, there's a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. Verse 16, the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly or reasonably. So the lazy man says, what's out in the street? A lion, there's a lion out in the street. Now, back then, there possibly could be, but it was a very rare, very rare experience. 
And so here, the lazy person is finding and is, 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 an exa- is exaggerating an issue and making a mountain out of a molehill and seeking for an excuse not to face the challenges that may be present that particular day. Uh, how many times have you lay in bed in the morning conjuring up reasons you shouldn't get out of bed in the morning? There are, look, the fact of the matter is there are plenty of challenges uh, that, uh, that are out there and we face each day. Each day tends to be a bit of a challenge. Some are less challenging than others, but um, we need to get up. We need to face life's challenges. You know, uh, you know that's where we grow. They, someone said that uh, we've got to go out on a limb because that's where you find the fruit. That's very true. If you're not daring and you're not doing and you're not trying or exploring or challenging yourself to, to do better, then, uh, then you're not going to be able to know your full potential and capabilities. But the lazy person makes excuses for not ch- facing life's challenges. In verse 14, it talks about the lazy person being uh, like a, rolling in bed like a door on hinges. Now, there's movement, but the lazy person's not going anywhere. And there are a lot of folk in life that are making, making some movement, but they're not progressing or going anywhere either. And then this one is quite interesting in verse 15. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The guy is so lazy, he puts his hand in the bowl to pick up his food, fork in the, in the plate. And he does, he's so lazy, he doesn't want to even bring the fork back to his mouth again. Amazing stuff. Uh, some translate this as the, uh, as the man putting his arms under his armpits, a, ma- a man that would fold his hands and insist on not doing anything that will be too strenuous, like bringing his fork to his mouth. In other words, the lazy person is half committed, half committed and, uh, and lazy. And then it says the lazy person is wiser in his own eyes. Talking about intellectual laziness, uh, someone who is closed-minded, someone who's, not, um, who's more willing to accept preconceived ideas and the opinions of others than to think things carefully through which is the person that is contrasted in verse uh, 16. Uh, Seven times a man who's lazy is wiser in his own eyes than than seven men who can answer what? Sensibly. The person who answers sensibly or reasonably has thought things through, has processed it in their own minds and allows their minds to grasp the concepts. But the lazy person refuses to think for themselves and sometimes maybe even afraid to think for themselves, but uh, there's no need to be afraid of doing that. Spiritual lethargy uh, at the same time is equally, and if not more, fatal. Spiritual lethargy, uh, being too lazy to do God's will, too lazy to open the Bible, too lazy to know God's will for your life. In the book, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 55, there's an interesting statement. It says, in the judgment, men will not be condemned because they conscientiously believed a lie, but because they did not believe the truth, because they neglected the opportunity of learning what is truth. You remember, you go, to, you go to school, you were sick the day before, go to school, teacher throws a pop quiz on you, and you say, hey, hold on, I wasn't here, I didn't, get, I didn't do the homework, I didn't do the class, and the teacher has no compassion. Did you ever have a teacher like that? What did the teacher tell you? You got friends here in the class? Why didn't you call them and ask them for the notes from their class yesterday? Then you'd be ready for this test, but I was sick. No, you were lazy. And so it is going to be the same situation with folk who, who will um, uh, claim that they didn't know the answers or didn't know the truth, but God will say, you had the opportunity to know, and yet you were lazy, and yet you didn't inquire, you didn't open the Word, you didn't study. 
and it won't be good for them in that day. What's the answer uh, to uh, the lazy bones way? Proverbs chapter 6, who's got that for us? Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Richard has it right down here. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Okay, so the answer to the, to the uh, lazy, lazy bones is to consider the ant. Consider the ant that does what it needs to do to provide not only for itself but also for its colony. And uh, the ant doesn't have a cheerleader. The ant doesn't have a personal trainer. <laughs> the ant just does what it needs to do. And, uh, and so that's the answer to the, the, the lazy person's dilemma. Uh, get off their seat, get up, and get going. And when you get going, it gets a lot easier. Amen? Sure. Let's go to Wednesday's lesson, the friend as enemy, and then Thursday is the enemy as friend. Um, this is lesson number four that we learned this week. Don't pretend there isn't anything wrong when there is. Don't pretend there is, isn't anything wrong when there is. Uh, true friends, do true friends care enough about each other that they would even correct a wrong in that person's life in order to help them or in order to save them? Yeah, truly, truly. What type of friend would I be if I saw my friend in danger and I didn't alert him or her to tr to, or try to help that person or try to get them out of that situation? Wouldn't be much of a friend at all, would I? No. True friendships are based on two things, truth and trust. Truth and trust. Look at Proverbs chapter 27. We're going to go over there to verses 5 and 6. Notice what it says. Proverbs 27 verses 5 and 6. It says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That word rebuke simply means an open, undisguised censure, lovingly declared. Uh, naturally, we're not talking here about just getting on someone's case because you've got nothing better to do or condemning a person, but rather aiding or helping a person. This type of reproof rises from a genuine concern for another. It's based on sufficient grounds or reasonable proof versus a suspicious hunch. It's given after serious consideration versus rashly. And it is designed for correction rather than for ventilation of anger. So this is the type of rebuke that we're dealing with here. And it's better than love concealed. Uh, you can say you love a person, but if you're not helping them or if you're not showing concern for them, then uh, you know, love without action is not always love, is it? Or not really love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you read the story in Galatians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul actually came to meet Peter and, and, and rebuked Peter because Peter was, uh, he had made some changes with regard to his bigotry. He was uh, seeing the Gentiles through new eyes and he was ministering to them, he'd eat with them. But when certain Jews came who didn't, uh, who still felt animosity toward the Gentiles, Peter stopped eating with the Jews uh, because of the Gentiles for the sake of the Jews that had come. And Paul, being Peter, was an influential leader, Paul got on Peter's case and said, Peter, you've got to stop doing that. You're, you're, you're affecting the minds and the attitudes of others. Your example is all wrong. Did Paul care about Peter? Truly he did. Did Paul care about the cause? Truly he did. And he wasn't afraid to confront his brother uh, when there was a, a, a very uh, dangerous wrong that was being practiced. And sometimes those rebukes are like wounds. But remember, they come from a friend. And they are certainly better than the kisses of an enemy. 
better than the kisses of an enemy, and I'm sure Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. He was kissed, betrayed with a kiss. And so we want to make sure that we're, uh, we're not afraid to help one another. We're not afraid to encourage one another. Isn't that the reason we have church? The purpose we have church, isn't it? To spur each other on, to encourage each other on, and sometimes, sometimes we, we, a correction or two's in order. Um, but uh, for those that uh, are on the correction bandwagon, we just want to encourage you not to be on there too long. Um, no one has been assigned to the, to the job of pure rebuking. Rebuke always must be done in the context of love. So Proverbs 27:17 reminds us that iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. It's okay, isn't it? Iron sharpens iron. According to this verse, what can be the effect of a confrontation between friends? It's simply, it just, it doesn't mean that one provokes or enrages another, but there's a reciprocal benefit. What's the benefit? The quality of this friendship itself is improved and each are stimulated and each are strengthened by the interchanges, interchanges and better prepared for the next struggle. And that's a great benefit. Iron sharpens iron. Well, we, uh, we're going to go to Thursday's lesson. I'm just going to read one verse for you and, uh, and then we'll close because time is up. Uh, the, the lesson is the enemy as a friend. And the fifth lesson that we learn in this week's lesson is don't pretend so, to, as it, so as to advance your own interests. Don't pretend that you're a friend just in order to advance your own interests. And we live in a world today that is where we are surrounded by individuals who are, who are sincerely seeking, truly seeking their own interests. And they don't mind who they're going to hurt, who they're going to even deceive in order to make headway and to, and to, take adv- and to, and to, and to progress and, and uh, move forward with their own plans and ambitions. Proverbs chapter 26, I want to read this for us. Uh, this is verse... 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. I was only joking. There is nothing worse than someone intentionally plotting against their neighbor's welfare while pretending to be neighborly. And then when found out, just brushing it aside by saying, you know, I didn't really mean it. I was only joking. Serious harm is often caused by those who enjoy seeing their friends hurt by foolish tricks. There is a lot to talk about here in this particular lesson, um, but uh, we, for the sake of time, we must end. The, the counsel and the encouragement for us who live in this world where words can deceive, where people can deceive, is to live, uh, to be wise as serpents, as Jesus said, and to be harmless as doves, to be alert, to be cautious, not provoking danger, and to be above uh, reproach and speech and in conduct. A life of pretension is shallow and it's harmful to ourselves and it's harmful to others. God calls us all to abandon our masks, live a life of transparency by His grace, and avoid becoming food for hungry wolves by living wisely and harmlessly. You want to join me to do that? living wisely and harmlessly in this present age. We need to, by God's grace, don't we? Truly. We want to thank you, thank those who've been joining us. Glad you could make it, and I hope you enjoyed the study. Uh, Don't forget to call in for your free offer. It's offer number 21510. Call into the number or email us 
at the email address on your screen. And uh, please let us know if you want the DVD or DVD or CD version. Uh, also, let us know how you're enjoying the programs. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, God bless, and we'll see you next time.